Hello, family, and welcome. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining me for this, uh, our second episode of the One Word Podcast. I am Pastor Iron Petrie, and I'm so honored that you would take the time out of your busy schedule and your busy day to join me. And I know some of you are saying, Pastor, you're doing this at 12 noon. I only got 30 minutes for my lunch. <laughs> well, don't worry about it. If you're tuning in, you're part of the Christ Nation's family, or if you're tuning in as family or friend from somewhere across the country, around the world, wherever you're coming in from, don't worry because not only are we going to air this here live today, but we're going to re-air it again on Tuesday night on our social media platforms at 6.30 p.m. So no worries, no frets. You'll be able to hear this in its entirety if you so choose, if you're not able to stick around for the full entirety of it today. But I am super thankful that you chose to join me uh, this afternoon. It is a blessed day in the Lord, and I'm telling you, you picked a good day to tune in because if you noticed the title on this, it's changing the way you think. So we're going to talk about your mind today. We're going to get into what the Word of God has to say about the way we think and about our mind and our thinking because our thinking has to change if we're going to get the most out of our relationship with God. And uh, just before I get started, as always, my wife is with me, but she's on the other side of the camera, the other side of the computer holding it down. Uh, <laughs> my uh, better half doing the work of of keeping me online, right? If she doesn't do her, her job, then none of this works. And so I just want to thank her for being so faithful. She has been ministering here lately at the church also. And I'm telling you, sweetheart, you have been doing an amazing job. I mean, the word of God has been just absolutely amazing. For those who are members of our church, if you had the privilege to hear her on uh, Sunday, as well as this past Wednesday night, you were blessed. And if you didn't get a chance, you can go back on Facebook or YouTube and you can catch up in your own time. But she dropped the word off. She talked about God's plan being our purpose, God's plan being our purpose. And I'm telling you, it was very insightful, full of wisdom, full of the anointing of God. And I'm telling you, you can glean so much from it. And, uh, and I was just so proud of her and so thankful for her, her humility and her openness and transparency to really serve the Lord. But let's jump into this that we're going to talk about here today because I don't know of a more important subject matter for a Christian than the subject matter of renewing the mind. I don't know of anything greater. Uh, once you're born again, once you come to Jesus, once you uh, have accepted him as Lord and Savior and trust him for your salvation, the next thing that you have to do is begin to center in on changing the way you think. And uh, I want to show you some things in Scripture today that I believe are going to help you, encourage you, and bless you to be able to do that because it is the paramount need of the believer's life. And I want to show you something that sometimes we often overlook that's found in Matthew chapter number 4, verse number 18. And I like starting here because this is where Jesus began his ministry in calling his disciples. And so whatever we see Jesus doing at the beginning gives us a good indication of what his intentions are. And I'm going to say that again. Whatever we see Jesus doing at the beginning gives us a good indication of what his intentions are or what his expectations are when it comes to these disciples. And whatever expectations Jesus has of these disciples, he has of us. And then Jesus goes even as far as to say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we also see the Father's expectations of us when we see Jesus' expectations of the disciples. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse number 18 and verse 19, just these two verses, it says, And Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee. He saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, 
casting a net into the sea. For they were fishermen, or they were fishers. And he said unto them, follow me. I want you to underline that phrase if you have the opportunity to do so. I want you to commit it to memory if you're just watching this or listening to this as you're on the go. Follow me, he says, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, notice when we started the first podcast last week, we talked about if we're going to come after God or follow God, he doesn't just call us into fellowship with him. He calls us into what we like to call fellowship. That is to say, we're going to have to walk with him. We don't meet with the Lord. We walk with the Lord. I'm going to say that one more time because a lot of times we kind of treat sometimes our relationship with God event to event. It's like uh, from one devotion to the next devotion, from one Bible reading to the next Bible reading, when in truth and honesty, our relationship with Jesus is a walk. It's a daily, consistent walk walk. So we're called into fellowship with him. And so we talked a little bit about that uh, last week when it comes to relationship with God. Well, this is taking the next step in relationship with God, where Jesus comes to these disciples and he says, follow me. Now, when we see those two words, we think very simply of following somebody that's going somewhere. Okay. And that's very true. But because Jesus is Jesus, This follow me is much weightier and much heavier than just, okay, follow me from Galilee to Capernaum. Follow me from Galilee to uh, Jerusalem. No, follow me means that they're about to embark on a journey that is not just physical, but they're about to embark on a psychological and spiritual journey as well. That Jesus is inviting them, hear me now, into transformation. When Jesus says, follow me, It is an invite into transformation. That's why he says, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, these men have been fishers of fish, but they've never been fishers of men. And for most of us, we're not not generally fishers of men either. Sometimes we're haters of men. Sometimes we're competitors with men. Sometimes we're, we're users of men, lusters of women and men. We, we, we have a different uh, orientation to men. But here Jesus is about to change their entire life. He's about to change their entire world. And so when Jesus says, follow me, it's an invitation into a transformative journey. These men are not going to be what they are when they meet Jesus. And this is Jesus' intention with every child of God, that where we meet him is not where we're to stay, that he invites us just as he invited these disciples to follow him. In other words, he invites us into a time and a journey of transformation. He's about to change the way they think. He's about to do a radical work on their minds. You know, and this, this kind of reminds me, you know, of something in the natural that, that, that really really is a, a real good example of it, and it's the military. When a, uh, when a person walks off the street, they're a regular civilian, they're used to civilian life, they're used to, used to going and coming, doing what they want to do all the time, and then they enlist in the military, is culture shock. <laughs> I mean, you talk to any military person before they went in and after they went in, they were invited on a journey of transformation. I mean, the discipline, the mental toughness, all of the changes of the way they thought, the way they saw things, the way they saw the world, the way they perceived things, everything gets challenged because when they enlisted, they signed, they signed up to change. 
When they enlisted, they signed up to change. And sometimes we're not aware of the fact that when we come to Jesus, he's inviting us into change. He's inviting us into transformation. That no, you're not going to keep what you came with. There are going to be a lot of things that fall by the wayside. And if we walk into this fellowship with him, he's going to make us like himself. So we're going to end up looking more like him before this is all said and done. Because when we come to Jesus, and here's something that we have to understand. He is both Savior and Lord. Now, we don't have a problem at all with Savior. Savior is easy. Because Savior means I'm getting rescued. Savior means I'm getting delivered from. Savior means I'm the beneficiary. So we love Savior. Oh, he's my Savior. But he's also Lord, and they're not exclusive. It's a package deal when you get Jesus. You get, you get Savior and you get Lord. You don't get to pick one or the other. And in Savior, with the beneficiary. We get everything. But it's his Lordship that we struggle with because Lord requires change. Savior brings benefit, salvation, rescuing, deliverance. Lord says, now let's change your mind. Let's change the way you think. Let's change the way you act. Let's change the way you behave. And so when we come to Jesus and we have this dual experience with him, we have to be, we, we have to understand this. How much I submit to his lordship will have an effect upon how much I experience of my salvation. You see, this is the connection in these. How much I submit to the lordship of Jesus will have an effect upon how much I experience the salvation of Jesus. Salvation, soteria, healing, deliverance, preservation, prosperity, protection, the whole package of salvation from the Savior. Well, that's going to be heavily influenced. My experience of all of those things are going to be heavily influenced about what I do with this lordship side. If I'm not willing to submit to lordship, I'm going to find that my salvation is, is petered out. It's meted out. It's, I barely experience the fullness of what all Jesus wants me to have. And sometimes this is confusing for believers because we come to Jesus and we think, well, man, I mean, Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe, and, and he, is, he, has, he has borne my sin. He's paid the price. It's all by grace. It is absolutely all by grace. But grace, what it affords you, right, is not disconnected from obedience to his lordship. We have to obey and walk with him. So he invites us into this transformation, and this transformation primarily takes place in the way we think. Because when it comes to salvation, Jesus changed the heart. But he left the head up to you. I want to say that again because this is a truth that cannot escape us. Jesus changed our hearts, but the head is left up to you and me. We are, we have to do something about our thinking. We have to do something about our heads. We have to do something about our thought life. That's not up to Jesus. No, Jesus did what we couldn't do, which was he reached into the very nature of man and he changed us at the spiritual level and he changed us dramatically. We became new creations in Christ when we believe on him for our salvation. And so he does what we can't do. And now with this new nature, 
I have to now undergo the process of developing a matching head. <laughs> How do I get this head to now match up with this new heart? That is the process of development, growth, sanctification even in the Christian faith. And so when Jesus says to us, follow me, this is what he's talking about. He's saying, look, I'm about to bring you guys into a transformative journey to look like me. Now, let's go to one other verse of scripture here that we know uh, like the back of our hand. Uh, we read it often, but it bears repeating. It's in Romans chapter 12, verse number two. And it says, of course, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, notice a couple of things in this verse. Number one, it says my conformity to the world and my transformation are based upon the renewing of my mind. Whether I'm conformed to the world or transformed, that means no longer conformed to it, is based on the renewing of my mind. So I could be born again rescued from the kingdom of darkness. But if I don't renew my mind, I will stay conformed to the world that I've been rescued out of. If I don't renew my mind, I'll stay conformed to the kingdom that the blood has rescued me out of. If I don't renew my mind, I will stay conformed to the habits, the methods, the thoughts, the perceptions, the narratives, the, the philosophies of the world system that I've been saved out of by his grace. So the Bible here tells me my transformation is based upon my renewing of the mind. Then it tells me this. It says, renew your mind so that you can prove what is a good, acceptable and perfect will of God. So the will of God will not be an experience of mine if I'm not going to renew my mind to it. So my experience of the will of God, my apprehension of the will of God for my life will be based upon my renewing my mind. Child of God, can I tell you in very simple terms, there's a whole other life on the other side of a renewed mind. There is a whole other life <laughs> on the other side of a renewed mind. There's a whole nother person on the other side of a new, renewed mind. There's a whole other marriage on the other side of, renew, of a renewed mind. A renewed mind precedes every kingdom experience. Before you experience what God promises in your life, you're going to have to change the way you think. It's a principle that is etched in stone. And, and it's, also, it's also demonstrated in natural life. Uh, we can use a natural example that nobody likes to use, really, unless you're a fitness buff and a fitness person. You really love that stuff. But for the average person, nobody likes to go hurt themselves on purpose. <laughs> okay? And so a lot of people will sit there, and they will have this idea that they want to get in shape. Right? And... So they'll go to the gym and they'll get a, a membership and they'll start working out. But when it starts hurting, they quit and they give up and, and everything because they don't understand that their body, the body they want, the health they want, the fitness they want is on the other side of changing the way they think about fitness. If a person never changes their mind about their body and their fitness, they'll never sustain the workout to change it. See, it's really the mind that's making the body over. It's not your effort. 
you've got to change the way you think. And this happens in every area of life. That marriage, if you want another marriage, it's on the other side of renewing your mind about marriage and relationship. If you want to change your finances, it's on the other side of renewing your mind about money. Whatever you want a different experience of, it will be preceded by changing the way you think. You, you cannot pass it. You can't bypass it. You can't skip over it. You can't pray over it. You have to get involved in doing the hard work of rolling up one's sleeves and renewing your mind. But if you do it, there's a whole nother life on the other side. There's a whole nother you on the other side. There's a whole other experience. The whole world will open up to you on the other side of, re of a renewed mind. Possibilities open up to you on the other side of a renewed mind. And so we have to learn that this mind thing is important. We have to learn that we have to take the word of God and we have to get busy about changing the way we think because our life is on the other side of that. Amen. Man, boy, that excites me right there. Let's go. Let's go one other place. And this is where I want to kind of camp out a little bit. All of that was kind of leading me up to this part right here because I want to camp out on this verse. And it's Ephesians chapter four, verse 23. Very simple verse of scripture. And it just simply says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now to give a little context, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus in chapter four of Ephesians. And he's starting to talk about their behavior and he's starting to talk about their conduct and how it should differ from when they were in the world and when they were unsaved and unregenerated. And he's starting to address this conduct and he gets here to verse 23 in, in chapter four. And he says, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, when you read that statement, you say the spirit of my mind. What is the spirit of a person's mind? That seems like a very awkward statement to make because we know we are a three part being. We know that we are a spirit. We possess a soul, which is your mind, will and emotions. And we live inside of these physical temporal bodies. So we know that we're three parts, but we don't we're not aware of a spirit of our mind. And one of the things that happens is when we're reading the Bible, especially the New Testament that was written in Greek, there's really only one Greek word for spirit. And that is the Greek word pneuma. Pneuma is pretty common Greek word for us to understand. There are a lot of Greek words that we've, we never see or ever understand. But pneuma is one of those words that's fairly common to come across because it, because it is the Greek word for spirit. And since there's only one Greek word for spirit, which is pneuma, you have to use context to understand what's being talked about, what's being mentioned in Scripture when you come across it. Is it talking about the human spirit? Is it talking about the Holy Spirit? Or what, what is it talking about when it says spirit? So when it says here, the spirit of my mind, it would do us a... a a service, a, a good service for us to plug in the definition of spirit. Now, when you look at the, the Greek word pneuma for spirit, it means breath or it means wind. It, 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 we, we see it in the Old Testament when the Bible says God formed man of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of a life and man became a living soul or a speaking spirit, a conscious speaking spiritual being. And so the, the spirit of something or spirit is likened to wind. And what do you know about wind? Wind is something you can't see. You, you can never see the wind, but you can see the effects of the wind. So I can look out and if I see the trees swaying, then I know the wind is blowing. If I look at the direction the trees are swaying, 
then I know what direction the wind is blowing. And so wind is something I can't see, but I can see its effects. So is the thought life. So is the spirit of the mind. So is the mindset of the mentality of a person. You can't see their thoughts. You can't see the way they think. You can't see the spirit of their mind, but you can certainly see its effects upon their life because it will show up in behavior. It will show up in consequence. And so this, the spirit of my mind is vitally important because I like to say it this way. It's the direction <laughs> the wind is blowing in your mind. And I know that may sound strange, but just stay with me for a moment. Stay with me for a moment. Now, we could use a simple term. We could use the term attitude. It's your attitude because basically that's really what it is in practical terms, your overall attitude. But I like plugging in these definitions because it opens up a way of thinking for us that we wouldn't normally go down. Uh, the wind of my mind, the, the, the way the wind blows in my mind. If I go outside, let's say I have this little card in my hand, this little, little this, uh, postcard, and I throw this card up in the air and the wind catches it. I can know which way the wind is blowing because it's going to catch this card and it's going to blow it in that direction, right? So when I say the wind of my mind, I'm saying in what direction do my thoughts generally travel? What direction do my thoughts generally travel? There are people, bless their hearts, <laughs> we're talking about the spirit of your mind, where their thoughts generally travel in a negative direction. There are people who generally are very pessimistic. There are people who are generally very, uh, not only negative, but fearful. They're always waiting on the other shoe to drop in life. They're always scared of different things. There are people who are, the, the, the spirit of their mind is they're generally, and I don't mean this to condemn you, but it's the truth, lazy. These are people who quit everything. They have a tendency to always quit in the midst of something getting tough. They're serial starters, but they never finish anything. So we're dealing with the spirit of a mind. We're dealing with the direction. They're just like this card. Whatever you throw into that wind is going to go in the direction it's blowing. And with people in the spirit of their mind, whatever they're endeavoring to do, that endeavor is going to always travel in the direction of their thinking all the time. <laughs> no matter what they start, no matter what they do, no matter who they get in relationship with, no matter what they attempt to accomplish, it's going to eventually travel in the direction of the spirit of their mind. And if the spirit of their mind is negative, if it's fearful, if it's quitting, if it's lazy, if it's any of these negative things, everything's going to go in that direction. They're going to quit the job, but they're not just going to quit the job. They're going to quit the marriage, but they're not just going to quit the marriage. They're going to quit the workout routine, but they're not just going to quit the workout routine. They're going to quit on themselves because it's the spirit of their mind. So Jesus here, through the Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Ephesus, says to them, it's important that when you come to him, that you be renewed in your spirit, the spirit of your thinking. That attitude of yours, that predisposition and mindset that influences and colors everything you do in your life. Because everything I do in my life is supposed to be influenced and colored by God's promise to me, by God's word to me, by who he's made me to be in him. He's made me to be more than a conqueror. 
Well, if I come to Christ and man, my overall spirit of my mind is defeated, right? Man, I've, I've been through so much pain. I've been through so much heartache. I've experienced so much failure. I've experienced so much loss. Don't talk to me about winning because I'm very skeptical about winning at anything because I've lost a lot. See, that's the spirit of a person's mind. But when you come to Christ, he calls you more than a conqueror. So you're going to have to be renewed in the spirit of your mind if you're going to continue to walk with God. Now, child of God, this is why in the beginning of Jesus' ministry and in the beginning of John the Baptist's ministry, they came out preaching a simple word, repent. Repent. That means to change the way you think. Somebody says, well, pastor, I just thought repent meant to turn around, to turn from sin. Well, it does. But let's, let's, let's think about that for a moment. If repent means to turn around, and it does, when I turn around, am I to stay where I turned or am I to continue now traveling in the direction of my turn? You see, that's where renewing the mind is necessary because we're not just to turn from sin. We're not just to turn a 180 away from the world, the flesh and the devil. But we're now to not only turn that 180, but we're to keep traveling in the direction we turned. And if we don't renew our minds, if we're not renewed in the spirit of our minds, we will stay where we turned. And the enemy will cause us in many times to turn back <laughs> and before we know it, we're turning back to things that we've been rescued out of. We've we're turning back to attitudes that we've been rescued out of. And Jesus commands in his Lordship. And he asks of us change the way you think, start to take on my thoughts. Remember, Isaiah 55 tells us my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are my ways your ways. They're as high as the heavens are above the earth. But he's going to give us his word sent down like the rain from heaven. Why? So that I can have his thoughts. I don't have to live without his thoughts. I can actually have the thoughts of God to change and renew the spirit of my mind. You see, one of the challenges that we have, and, and, and I want to make sure I say this very clearly, is that sometimes we have, as Christian people, prayer, prayer list, right? We have these requests. We have these things we want from God, these things that we desire of God. But we have a prayer list that is much longer than our renewed mind can handle. <laughs> we haven't renewed our minds and our thoughts to keep up with what we're asking. And we're asking for things that we're not renewed enough to be able to even steward or handle. So I'm going to prosper even as my soul prospers. I'm going to succeed even as my thinking changes and prospers. So I've got to focus my life now as a child of God on renewing my mind. Because that's what's going to allow me to now walk in the fullness of my salvation. To now walk in the fullness of my redemption. To walk in the fullness of my inheritance. Child of God, it's important that you understand this. Because if, if we don't ever focus on this important truth in the kingdom, we end up keeping our conformity to the world. And we look no different than the world. Here's a news flash for you as a child of God. You're supposed to be different. 
we are different. We're supposed to be completely different. Our lives, different. Our experiences, different. Our response and reaction to life is supposed to be different. <laughs> there is nothing about us that should be in the swim with the world. We should be that salmon. We should be going back the opposite direction, right? And so in order to do that, though, we have to change our mind. What direction are my thoughts traveling? What direction are my thoughts traveling? Because if my thoughts are traveling with the world, I'm traveling with the world. I've got to get my mind. I've got to get the spirit of my mind. I've got to get the wind blowing in a different direction in my head. Amen? I've got to now start having my thoughts travel with his promise, travel with his word. Because now when my, when my thoughts change their direction in whatever area, finances, relationships, health, you name it, whatever area of life, when my thoughts change the direction they're traveling in, I'm going to change the direction I'm traveling in, and I'm going to also change the results I'm getting in life. Remember this statement. Mentalities determine realities. I'm going to say that again mentalities determine realities. When I am nursing a mindset that is defeated, negative, uh, pessimistic, um, glass half empty, when I am nursing that type of mentality, it's going to create my reality. If I'm nursing developing a mentality of success, overcoming, being more than a conqueror in Christ Jesus. <laughs> when, I'm, when, I'm, when I am developing a mindset or a mentality that is centered around promise, I have promise-based thinking. That's a term we need to coin right there, promise-based thinking. I'm thinking according to what God says to me. I'm going to now influence that as my reality. Never forget this child of God. And I'll I, I never forget the day that I, um, I came across this verse of scripture and the Holy Spirit spoke to me out of Numbers chapter 13. It's a, a story that everybody remembers, everybody knows. It's when the children of Israel are spying out the land of Canaan, the land of promise, and they go over into the land as 12 spies to spy out the land for 40 days. And for 40 days, they're over there spying out this land of promise that God has for them, right? And Joshua and Caleb is among the spies. And so they're sitting there looking at the exact same land. They're looking at the same fruit. They're looking at the same giants that occupy the land. They're looking at the same landscape and the expanse of the land. They're looking at all of the potentiality of the land as spies. And they come back with a cluster of grapes, evidence that the land is what God said it was. And they come back and they drop these grapes in front of the congregation of Israel and Joshua and Caleb say, let's go up at once. We can do it. And 10 of the other spies say, no, we can't. We'll be defeated. We're grasshoppers in our sight. And so we are in the sight of the giants that occupy the land. Now, these spies, Joshua and Caleb and the other 10, were looking at the exact same land and come away with two different reports. Why? Because we do not see with our eyes. We see with our minds. We see opportunity or obstacle based upon our mentality. 
I'll never forget the day, man, I saw that. I saw that in the, in the scripture and it just, it woke me up because it let me know that my reality is being determined by my mentality. Just like the children of Israel, we got 10 spies who are not going to go in and inherit the land. And we got two that the Bible goes on to record did because they had a different mentality. They had a different spirit. The Bible says they had a different mindset, a different mentality. They had a different attitude. And because they had a different mentality, they experienced a different reality. What child of God in your life is on the other side of a renewed mind. You're sitting there looking at something in your life right now and you're looking at it one way and you have no idea that it's not the way it looks. It's the way you're thinking that's determining what it looks like. I don't care how, I don't care how insurmountable whatever mountain it is or looks. It only looks that way because of the way you think. I don't care how impossible something looks. It only looks that way because of the way you think. If you change your thinking, have promise-based thinking concerning what you're looking at, it will change what it looks like. That mountain will become a valley. That impossibility will become a possibility. It's all based in how you're thinking and whether or not your thoughts are traveling in the direction of the word and the promise of God. Child of God, this is my desire for you in this entire podcast today is that you will leave this time of being exposed to the word of God and you will re-enter your life beginning with changing your mentality, the way you're looking at things, the way you're seeing things, the way you see everything. Some, some of us as Christians need to change the way we see Jesus. <laughs> we need to change the way we see God. We need, to, we need to be renewed in the spirit of our mind about the way we see him because we see him sometimes through a very myopic and traditional lens that distorts who he is. Some of us look at Jesus like the Pharisees looked at him. He was moonstruck. He was heretical. He was, he was crazy. He was, uh, he was Beelzebub and of Beelzebub. Now, that's how they saw him. The savior of the world they saw as satanic. I want, you to, I want you to think about that now. I really do. I want you to think about the fact that they looked at the Savior, the Messiah, square in the face, saw his signs, wonders, and miracles, and yet their perception of him was that he was devilish, that he was demonic. Why? Because mentalities shape realities. They couldn't see him right because their minds had been conditioned in religious law and dogma and conditioned in pride. And so they couldn't see him and pride will never let you see Jesus the way he's supposed to be seen because he can only be seen through the lens of humility. You have to humble yourself to see him, right? That's why the Bible says the pure in heart shall see God, right? So we have to humble ourselves and purify our hearts in order to see him. And we have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind. And this is, this is a major need. I'm telling you in the church, because if I see him wrong, I'm going to preach him wrong. If I see him wrong, I'm going to believe wrong. If I see him wrong, I'm going to speak wrong concerning him. And if I see him wrong, I'm going to represent him wrong because my reality is coming out of my perception. So we have to learn to expose ourselves in humility to the word of God until we are changed into the same image from glory to glory 
and from grace to grace. Child of God, I love you. I pray that you find, find or found something tr of truth, something of value out of this time spending the word of God uh, today because I'm telling you, this is the paramount need in the church today. The child of God must renew their mind. God bless you. I love you. I will see you guys next week. Don't forget to follow us on YouTube. If you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, I want to invite you to do so. Just click the subscribe button down there in the bottom. I think it's probably somewhere down in the bottom right corner, bottom left-hand corner. I get it mixed up because I'm on screen, right? But subscribe, follow us, because we're going to take this podcast, and we're going to treat this podcast the way Mary treated Jesus in his house. We're going to sit at his feet, and we're going to let him teach us his word. Because what is needed in our hour today is clear, salient teaching and revelation of the word of our God so that we can walk in his image and after his likeness. God bless you. I love you. And until next Friday, be blessed.